Hello, and welcome to the Preview Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting items from the current month's previews catalog. This is Preview Spotlight number 178 for the September 2022 solicitations. In this episode, we'll be going over some of the items in the upcoming solicitations that you might find interesting. Now, comics are a pre-order business, so whether we like it or not, it behooves us to take a look at what's going to be offered a couple of months out and let our retailers know so they can order appropriately. Now, these episodes have an open submission policy, and I encourage you to send in clips to promote the comics you love as often as you can. Now, there are thousands of items solicited every month, and it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle or just fly beneath your radar. We'll be starting with the DC Connect catalog, followed by the Marvel's Previews catalog, and then working our way through the Diamond Previews catalog. Obviously, we aren't going to go item by item, or page by page, or even publisher by publisher. We're just going to hit the highlights, and those highlights are picked by people like you. So with that, let's get going. My first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. I find these incredibly helpful to find out what's coming out a few months from now and kind of plan my order appropriately. Sometimes there's stuff that sounds good on paper, but I look at the art or something about the solicitation doesn't work for me, or there's something that I wouldn't have noticed unless, you know, the art had caught my eye or the solicitation looks pretty cool or something like that. Matter of fact, there have been a couple of times where I'll see something and realize I missed the first two issues or something like that and and go order them. So just flipping through these catalogs is kind of my monthly equivalent of the old Sears Toys catalog when I was a kid of, you know, finding out what cool things were out there to be had and then making sure I got them as, as best I could. So whether you get the printed catalogs or not, this information is available online at the various websites for the distributors and the publishers and such comics are a pre-order business, it makes sense to know what's coming out so you can let your retailer know so they can have it so you can get it. So once again, my first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. Dr. Mo here with the DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's the new golden age, number one. So it looks like Jeff Johns is back at DC writing more comics than certainly we've been getting with Flashpoint Beyond, uh, which is a six-issue miniseries that Jeff Johns is co-writing that perhaps lead in this new Golden Age batch of titles, in particular this one shot, which is titled The New Golden Age. Well, this one shot is written by Jeff Johns. The artwork is being provided by artist Steve Lieber, Jerry Ordway, and Diego Orla Tegu. Now, I'm not overly familiar with Orla Tegu, unlike the other two artists that I previously named. Doing a little bit of research, Orla Tegu has worked on DC and Marvel titles, including Miss Marvel. X-23 on the DC side. He's he's worked on Aquaman the beginning. So, you know, he's, he's played in both sandboxes. Steve Lieber 
has done a number of things with a variety of publishers over the years. But for me, Jerry Ordway is one of the folks that if you really are going to invest in a quote unquote new golden age or a resurrection of the Justice Society of America franchise, I think you really need to get him on board. Jerry Ordway has been synonymous with the Justice Society and the All-Star Squadron properties going back to the 80s when he worked on All-Star Squadron, when he worked on Infinity Inc. Flash forward you know, to the late 80s, early 90s, in which Jerry Ordway worked on a variety of Superman titles, Power Shazam in the 90s. He did some additional work with the Justice Society property when Jeff Johns was writing the JSA series in the late 1990s and in the 2000s. I think that it's really wonderful to kind of connect these art, these artists who worked on these properties before with artists who are current artists or could work on the, uh, on this property in a regular basis in the future. So the solicitation tax for the new golden age, it's, it's a lot of exposition, nothing really concrete in my opinion, just, you know, talking about how it, we're connecting the justice society to the legion of superheroes. Now, again, th- that's a key phrase, connecting the justice society to the legion of superheroes. If you remember, Go jump back to Doomsday Clock. This was of Doomsday Clock again, sort of connecting the Justice Society to the Legion of Superheroes, and what happens if you start tinkering with with time and so forth. So I'm wondering, you know, is is Jeff Johns finally going back to that? Well, picking up with these threads that we were promised with Doomsday Clock all those years ago, and bringing it to fruition in this new package, which is being titled The New Golden Age, or subsequently, there is a quote-unquote Golden Age pop-up imprint at DC, similar to what we got with Bendis and the Wonder Comics imprint. I'm really curious about how long this pop-up imprint will last. I will talk about a couple other titles and some additional clips that are part of this that I'm really excited about. But overall, if you are invested in Jeff John's work in the DC universe. Certainly this is the title you want to pick up this month or at least one of them if you're interested in the Justice Society of America, you know, fans of the JSA have been thirsty for these characters to make some sort of impactful appearance or have some long-term staying power within the DC universe. I, it behooves you to get this one shot just to jump on board and, and, and see what Jeff Johns has cooking now. The New Golden Age, number one, again, it's a one shot, can be found on page 10 of DC Connect and costs $4.99 for a regular edition, $5.99 for the cardstock variant. Hey, this is James, and I'm here for the preview spotlight, and I'm looking at the DC Connect, and I guess it's September catalog, so these are things probably coming out in November, depending on <laughs> the supply chain and shipments and all that stuff. Should come out in November, but we'll see. 
there were a few things that caught my eye when I first opened up the DC catalog. You know, Batman and the Joker. That's weird. You know, like teaming up good guy, bad guy. Mark Silvestri. Uh, I don't know. Image coming over doing his own thing. It's not going to matter, honestly. So I kind of skipped that. Then another thing kind of caught my eye that I almost did a shout on, which was the Batman One Bad Day, Mr. Freeze. But then I realized that's a whole, uh, we're going to give you the whole, you know, cool evil guy stories, but they're a bunch of one shots. And I didn't get the bulk of them at the beginning. So I'm probably skipping that too. But the thing that I definitely am going to get. So when I flip the page to the next thing, the first thing up on page 10 was the new golden age. Number one written by Jeff Johns. The art is by Stephen Lieber, Jerry Ordway, and Diego Orlatagui. Uh, I don't know how you say his name. <laughs> Sorry, Diego. I butchered your name. But this one looks pretty good. Jeff Johns is a good writer. John and I just did a back issue spotlight that we recorded on uh, Flashpoint. Typically, I really do enjoy Jeff Johns. And this is coming out on the back end of The Dark Crisis, which, or, or as I'm referring to, The Non-Crisis. But hopefully good things are going to happen. And this is the first book that I see that I'm like, oh, this could be good. And it says, from the Justice Society of America to the Legion of Superheroes, the new golden age will unlock DC's epic and secret written history of heroism, launching a new group of titles set firmly in the DC universe. So I know a lot of people are Legion fans, JSA fans. So this, it looks like they're both coming to the main DCU and this was the purpose of the crisis. So a lot of people are going to be really happy about this. And it says, from the 1940s to uh, 3040s, heroes take on the great evils of our time. But in the aftermath of Flashpoint Beyond, which I am reading and I am enjoying, those heroes and villains will have their lives turned upside down. DC's future and its past will never be the same again. But how are the mime and marionette connected to this? I don't like mime and marionette that much. They were from the button. But okay. Why are Rip Hunter and the Time Masters the most unlikable heroes in the DC Universe? Don't know. And who or what is nostalgia? Don't miss the start of the strangest mystery to have ever plagued the DC Universe. So this is like a, a one-shot, probably a jumping-off point, because the next book I'm calling out is going to be on page 11, where new things are coming out to the DCU on the backside of Dark Christ. And I think a lot of people are going to be excited for this, so I think it'll do well. I'm interested, so I'm going to read it. So uh, pick it up, check it out. On to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with a DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Justice Society of America, number one. Yes, you heard me correctly. Justice Society of America, number one. Wow, I never thought, well, to be fair, I wasn't really sure when DC would get around to publishing a new Justice Society of America title because it has been so, so long. The new Justice Society of America title is written by Jeff Johns with artwork and the cover art being provided by Mikhail Yanin. Jeff Johns wrote the new Golden Age one-shot, which sets up this new JSA title and Based on the solicitation text we're getting, it, it's what you would expect. The JSA is back. They're dealing with some time machinations. There's some hints in the solicitation text that perhaps you should be reading the miniseries that Jeff Johns is currently co-writing as of this recording. The final 
issue of that has not come out yet. Appears to be key to maybe what's going on with this new golden age imprint, and in particular, this new Justice Society of America title. Now, one of the things that's gotten me really hyped about this new JSA is is that on the cover for number one, we have the Huntress. So we're not really sure, or at least I don't know which version of the Huntress is, but I'm going to assume that it is Helena Wayne. And if that is the case, that's really going to make me happy because one of the things that I so love was the introduction of the Helena Wayne character, the daughter of Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, who ultimately takes on her own crime-fighting mantle as part of this next generation of Justice Society members joining the JSA with Power Girl and, to a limited degree, Infinity Inc. back in the day. So if we're finally getting a UJSA title that utilizes a lot of this old Earth 2 mythology that fans have been waiting for, I think this book is really going to be something special. Now, if you're wondering, when was the last time there's been a JSA title that DC has published? You have to think back to pre-Flashpoint. So yes, you're talking at this point, at least 11 years ago. Now, certainly we've got, DC has published, you know, books that featured the JSA, not their own JSA title. With the New 52, we got their fresh take on the notion of a justice society. They never really were called the Justice Society in the Earth 2 book and the Earth 2 Society titles and, and, and so forth. But it really never felt like the JSA that we were getting, whether it was pre-Crisis on Infinite Earths, or even the version of the JSA that we were getting during the 90s and the 2000s and, and whatnot. So I'm looking forward very much to this title. I think that it has been long overdue. DC has been promising this, again, going back to Doomsday Clock. And again, what's the common denominator here in that it's Jeff John? So perhaps he had some time, you know, once... Season three of Stargirl wind, wind it down to actually, and maybe he was feeling a little bit of that old JSA magic. Because if you've watched the Stargirl show, you know that the notion of the JSA is a core part of that show. Perhaps he wanted to continue working with these these characters, and and DC has provided him with the opportunity to do so. Justice Society of America number one can be found on page eleven of DC Connect. And costs $3.99 for a regular cover, $4.99 for a cardstock variant. Hey, this is James, back with my next pick in the DC Connect. And this one's on page 11, opposite from my last pick. And it is Justice Society of America number one. And Jeff Johns is going to be writing this book as well. And the art will be done by Michael Janin. Just so you know, the new Golden Age is kind of like the one shot kicking this whole thing off. And then here's the new number one, which is going to be an ongoing series of JSA. A lot of people have been missing the JSA, so I know there's going to be a lot of excited and happy readers out there. I'm expecting there to be a lot of clips for this, too. 
But it says the JSA returns in this monthly series by writer Jeff Johns and artist Michael Jannon with Justice Society of America. The New Golden Age Part 1, the world's first and greatest superheroes return, or do they? A long-lost hero from the JSA crashes into our era with a grave warning, but it's too late. A mysterious and malevolent enemy has invaded the entire history of the JSA, and an all-new team has come together to defeat it. But what deadly secret does this messenger from beyond keep? Where are they from, and why is all this happening now? Only the Time Masters know. So I think there's going to be a lot of people, like I said, they're going to be excited about this. The JSA are popular. They've been missing. The only other thing that I hear besides the JSA that people really love is the Legion. So because of the new Golden Age, and they do miss mention the Legion of Superheroes, I expect a new Legion of Superheroes to be solicited probably in next month. Because if I'm not mistaken, I didn't see it in this month's uh, DC Connect. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get a Legion series then. Okay, on to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with the DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Stargirl, The Lost Children, number one. Well, folks, looks like I'm going three for three with Jeff John's written titles being solicited through DC Comics. This month, Stargirl, The Lost Children is a six-issue miniseries written by Jeff John's, drawn by Todd Knott, the same creative team behind the Stargirl Spring Break special from 2021. I believe that it was over a year ago in which that one shot came out. Now, based on the solicitation text and the cover and the preview artwork shown in DC Connect, it appears that the current Red Arrow, who is Emiko, the sister of Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, will be playing a role in this first issue, if not the entire miniseries. I certainly suspect that Emiko will end up being some sort of co-star throughout this miniseries. Courtney and Emiko forced a relationship or bonded during the Stargirl Spring Break special. Now, I also suspect that this miniseries is picking up on the threads of the aforementioned Stargirl Spring Break special. So if you haven't read that book, or if it's been a while since you did read it and you're having a little bit of trouble remembering what that book is about, I mean, after all, there's a lot of comics that have come out in between now and the spring of 2021. You may want to go back, check it out, or pick it up if it's if it's something you haven't encountered before. Todd Knock, who is providing the pencils for this, I think is a wonderful fit. Knock has a long history drawing titles starring young protagonists in DC Universe. He worked with Peter David on Young Justice during the late 90s and the early 2000s. Stargirl is one of, if not Jeff Johns' marquee DC characters. She stars in her own series on the CW, which is, in all honesty, a stealth JSA Infinity Inc. series. If you are a fan of Stargirl, whether it's in the comic form, whether it's in version on television, I think you should pick up this miniseries, Stargirl The Lost Children, number one, 
can be found on page 12 of DC Connect and the regular cover costs $3.99, variant cover costs $4.99. My next pick is also on page 12 of the DC Connect and it is also Stargirl The Lost Children number one. Now this is part of a six-part mini-series and I'm really curious about this because I recognize a few of the characters on the cover. Looks like we've got the Newsboy Legion. We've got Ghost from Young Justice, so I'm curious why she's there. It looks like we've got Dan the Dynamite. We've got Airwave, which I wouldn't have expected to be there because it looks like a, a young version, maybe a sidekick version of Airwave or something. We've got what looks to be an Hourman sidekick, maybe Our Boy, I don't know, which never existed. We've got what looks like a human bomb sidekick. Definitely we've got Wing, which was, I'm pretty sure from that one shot we got the Spring Break special ages ago, which clearly I need to go reread, but I'll probably wait till closer to when this comes out. And it looks like we've got kind of two versions of what looks like Mary the Gadget Girl. So I'm really curious what's going on here. We got some guy with a hooded thing and a, a hammer or whatever. I have no idea who he might be the sidekick of. He or she, it's a he. Uh, would be the sidekick of Robot Dog, maybe of the Metal Men or something. I mean, I'm really curious what's going on. They've got a new characters alert here, which, yeah, some of these are definitely new. And it's written by Jeff Johns, so that's a great sign. Art by Todd Nock, that's a great sign. I'm definitely looking forward to this. I'm very curious what's going on with this, the new Golden Age, the JSA. I'm really hoping these hit my sweet spot for the DC Universe, because uh, I need a few more titles that do that. Anyways, I'm definitely checking this out. I think you should too. Once again, that's Stargirl, The Lost Children, number one of six, on page 12 of the DC Connect catalog. Dr. Mo here with a DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Wildcats, number one. DC Comics is celebrating the 30th anniversary of Wildcats covert action teams with a new number one and a hopefully ongoing series written by Matthew Rosenberg with artwork by Steven Segoya. So cast your minds back 30 years ago, Wildcats was one of the lead or the initial series when Image Comics launched. It was written, it was created by Jim Lee, Brandon Choi. Jim Lee provided the artwork and along with Scott Williams. Wildcats was easily one of my favorite titles out of that initial launch series. So I do find it a little ironic, but at the same time, I certainly understand why DC would be acknowledging the 30th anniversary of this original Image Comics property. Thank you, Mr. Lee. This is not the first time DC has tried to revive Wildcats. I think this is maybe the fourth, maybe the fifth attempt. I tend to show up for each attempted relaunch of this franchise. The groundwork for this version of Wildcats has been laid for some time now, certainly going back to when Grifter showed up in James Tinian issue. Uh, written issues of Batman. We've got, we had Zealot showing up in Batman Urban Legends. So the foundation for this has been been steadily and progressively being 
built. And so hopefully this foundation will provide a, a launch pad that will enable the series to last for, for a bit of time. Certainly the last attempt at any sort of Wildstorm universe series was Warren Ellis's The Wildstorm, which lasted 24 issues. And due to certain things, I won't go into detail here. You know, we never got that Wildcats title that we were promised that was a spin-off of Ellis's The Wildstorm series. Rosenberg has been writing for Marvel and DC for some time. I really enjoyed Rosenberg's New Mutants miniseries, his Multiple Man miniseries, and the volume of Uncanny X-Men that he wrote. Majority of that volume of, of Uncanny X-Men, it got a little bit dark, I think, towards the end of, of the series. The artwork is being provided by Steven Segovia, who I really think is a machine. If I understand this correctly, he's working on the John Really I Am Batman series, a Spawn series. I'm familiar with uh, Segovia's work from the Hellions. I've seen there's some preview pages in DC Connect. It's certainly influenced by that wild storm art style. But I think this will be a really strong looking series, and it certainly will have the spirit of Wildcats and probably other Wildstorm properties as well. Because based on the cover, the makeup of this team not just only includes familiars such as Grifter, Zealot, Spartan, Voodoo. We've got Lady Tron, who was more of a, a second generation Wildcats character. We got Deathblow. One of the covers has Caitlin Fairchild from Gen 13. So who knows who's going to pop up in this series? So I, I'm really, really excited about Wildcats coming back. Definitely going to be picking up issue one and hopefully subsequent issues as well. Wildcats number one can be found on page 18 of DC Connect. The regular co cover costs $3.99. And there's going to be a slew of variant covers, each of which, well, unless they're ratios, will be $4.99 for the cardstock version. Hi, I'm Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, and I go by Superman Fan on the forums, and my first pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on page 22 with Superman Kal-El Returns Special Number 1, written by Mark Wade, Cena Grace, Alex Segura, and Marv Wolfman, with art by Max Rayner, Dean Haspiel, Jack Herbert, and Riley Brown. The main cover is by Dan Mora, which is the one I'll be getting. The cardstock variant cover is by Travis Moore, with a 1 in 25 cardstock variant cover by Mario Fox Facillo. Pardon me if I mispronounce that name. The cover price is $5.99 for 48 pages. And the cardstock variant cover editions are $6.99 and is scheduled to be on sale on November 29th. Kal-El has returned from his long sojourn to War World. But what ramifications does this hold for the broader DC Universe? In this special issue, we'll spotlight Kal-El's reunion with the Dark Knight, Jimmy Olsen, the Justice League, and Lex Luthor? Plus, witness the never-before-revealed look at the moments leading to Superman's abduction by Pariah in the Dark Crisis event. The march toward Action Comics number 1050 continues in this essential special volume. 
I've enjoyed the Superman on Warworld storyline, but I'm looking forward to seeing the Man of Steel return to Earth. The Dark Crisis tie-in looks like it might be interesting, but I didn't pick up the event series because the story didn't appeal to me, plus I wasn't going to be able to fit it into my budget. I'm most interested in what's going to happen when Action Comics 1050 comes out and what's in store for Superman in that issue. Hey, this is James with my next choice in the DC Connect, and this time I'm over on page 22 where we get Superman Kal-El returns special. So this is Superman Superman, not John Superman. It's kind of funny. He returns special. I was kind of laughing about this, but it's saying the hit crossover continues in this oversized special. It's a Dark Crisis tie-in. We got a wrap-up and a Warworld special with John Carter, Superman, defeating Mongol and flying back to Earth just in time to die. No, because he, he's supposed to have died along with the Justice League. But he's going to be coming back, so this will be interesting. So anyways, I'm looking forward to Superman coming back. There's nothing wrong with John. I like Superman better. The writer on this will be Mark Wade and Cena Grace and Alex Seguera and Mark Wolfman. So we get four writers. So it's a $7 book. It's going to be pricey. Anyways, and the art's by Max Rayner. Love that last name. Exact same way I spell mine, Max. Dean Haspiel, Jack Herbert, and Riley Brown. So I, th- I think this will be good. I want to see superman back in the dcu because he's been just kind of sidetracked and shelved for a while for whatever reason we don't know but here he is welcome back superman on to my next pick billy hogan again my next pick in the dc comics connect previews magazine is on page 38 with action comics number 1049 written by philip kennedy johnson with art by Mike Perkins and backup art by David Laffham. The main cover is by Steve Beach, which is the one I'll be getting. Variant covers are by Nathan Zerdy, a 90s cover month variant cover by Roger Cruz, and a 1 in 25 Kellogg Returns Arc variant cover by Mario Fox Facillo for $4.99 for 40 pages for the regular edition. The variant cardstock covers are $5.99. And this is scheduled to be on sale November 22nd. Kal-El Returns Part 5. The epic crossover between Action Comics and Superman Son of Kal-El continues. We're only one month away from the mammoth Action Comics number 1050, and tensions between the Super Family and Lex Luthor have never been higher. Meanwhile, in the Fortress of Solitude, Steel, Supergirl, and Kong Keenan repel an alien invasion. Action Comics has been a strong series so far with the current storyline, so I'm looking forward to seeing how it concludes. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on the very next page, number 39, with Batman Superman World's Finest, number 9, written by Mark Wade with art and cover by Dan Mora, and this is the cover I'll be getting. A variant cover is done by Paolo Rivera, with a 90s cover month variant cover by Chip Zdarsky, and a 1 in 25 variant cover by Steve Beach, 
and a 1 in 50 variant cover by Afua Richardson. The cover price for the regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99, and this issue is scheduled to be on sale on November 15th, which would have been my late sister's birthday. Batman and Superman are on a quest to train the mysterious new hero, Boy Thunder. But what's that in the dark? A faint noise. Sounds like a laugh? Uh-oh. The Joker is here and he's got his own plans for a super-powered sidekick. Someone hide all the crowbars, quick! Mark Wade is one of those creators who I usually expect that I am going to enjoy whatever project they are working on. And so far, I'm enjoying this new World's Finest series. So I'm expecting that I'm going to enjoy this issue just as much. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on page 43 with Fables number 157, the seventh issue of a 12-issue miniseries. Written by Bill Willingham with art by Mark Buckingham and Steve Leloja and a cover by Kistina Kalida, which is the one I'll be getting, and there is a variant cover by Mark Buckingham. The cover price is $3.99 for 32 pages with the regular edition, and $4.99 for the cardstock variant cover. Big B and Snow have raised their children to be outstanding heroes, but just as they're ready to congratulate each other on their parenting skills, Snow reveals a secret to Bigby that will rattle his world. If I'm not mistaken, I think I started reading Fables around issue 100, so I caught the tail end of the series, and I'm glad I did, and I hope to catch up on reading the first part of the series through collected editions. And so far, I haven't read a bad issue of Fables, and this solicit really looks interesting. Billy Hogan again, my next pick in the DC Comics Connect previews, is on page 47 with Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 17. Written by Tom Taylor with art by Cian Torme and Ruari Coleman. The main cover is by Travis Moore, which is the one I'll be getting. And there is a variant cover by John Jiang, and pardon me if I mispronounced that name. And a 1 in 25 variant cover by Jeff DeCall. And again, I hope I pronounced that name right. And a 90s cover month variant cover by Stephen Butler. The regular edition cover price is $3.99 for 32 pages. And the cardstock variant covers are at $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to be on sale on November 8th. Kal-El returns number 4. Superman and Son are reunited. So why doesn't it feel so good? Could it be because of the LexCorp automatons threatening the safety of Metropolis? I've got a bad feeling about this. I've enjoyed reading the Superman Son of Kal-El series because Jonathan is becoming his own superhero and not just following in his father's footsteps but he's becoming a superhero in his own style. So that's the main reason I've been keeping up with this series. Billy Hogan again. 
My final pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on the very next page, number 48, with Superman Space Age number 3, the final issue of a three-issue miniseries written by Mark Russell with art and cover by Mike Allred, and this is the cover I'll be getting. There's a variant cover by Joe Quinones and a 1 in 25 variant cover by Nick Darrington. The cover price is $9.99 for 80 pages, and all covers are made of cardstock paper. This issue is scheduled to go on sale November 22nd. The end is nigh. As red skies rain, Superman does what he can to make the world a better place for as long as it continues to exist. But money is power in the greed-driven 80s, and villains like Lex Luthor seem poised to win in the end. Little do they know, there are bigger things to worry about, and the hero they've grown to hate is their only hope against this crisis. Don't miss the riveting finale of this soon-to-be classic miniseries. This issue seems to harken back to the crisis of infinite Earths back in the mid-1980s, especially as the Red Skies were the first sign that their universe was about to be destroyed. Despite the hefty cover price for each issue of this miniseries, I couldn't resist it because it was drawn by Mike Allred, whose art style harkens back to the Silver Age, which is when I first began reading comic books. Yet he tells a modern story that can either fit in the Silver Age or in the current era. I got the first issue of this miniseries earlier this month and my latest shipment from Discount Comic Book Service, but I'm a little bit behind in my comic book reading, and so I haven't been able to check it out yet, but I'm confident that I'm going to enjoy not only this first issue, but the entire miniseries. Hey, this is James with my last pick in the DC Connect, and this time I'm on page 54 in the Collected Editions, where there are two trade paperbacks. I won't be picking these up, but I wanted to point them out for readers who've been listening to John and I in the monthly spotlight and maybe haven't sampled this series. Nightwing Volume 1, Leaping Into the Night, and Nightwing Volume 2, Get Grayson. Both written by Tom Taylor, the art by Bruno Redondo. The art in this fantastic. The story, month in and month out, is uh, one of the top picks by John and I almost every month. So this is definitely a good series. They're releasing both trade paperbacks. One's released December 13th and the other one December 20th. If you haven't been reading it and you want to read a good superhero comic, this is what I would pick up. This is your chance to get two volumes, and it looks like it's probably about six issues. Yeah, about six issues for each one. So definitely pick this one up. It is worth the cost, the price of entry. And I would double dip, except that I'm waiting for a hardcover. So I just tend to steer towards the hardcovers now. The trade paperbacks kind of annoy me. On to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. My first pick in the Marvel Comics previews is on page 10 with Fantastic Four number one. Written by Brian North with art by... Ebens Coelho, and I hope I pronounced the name right. Cover A is by Alex Ross, which is the one I'll be getting, and he also does a variant cover. Cover C is a blank cover. Cover D is by Ibn Coelho. Cover E is a J. Scott Campbell anniversary variant. 
Cover F is a Todd Nock headshot variant, and Cover G is a Phil Noto Extreme Marvel variant. Whatever happened to the Fantastic Four? It's the start of a new era for the Fantastic Four, and they're already in a ton of trouble. Something has gone terribly wrong in New York, and the Thing and Alicia are traveling across America to escape it. But when they stop in a small town for the night and wake up in the morning before they arrive, they find themselves caught in a time loop that's been going on since before they were born. That's been going on since before they were born. That's been going on since before they were born. Rated T+, and is scheduled to be in shops on November 9th for the cover price of four ninety nine. Fantastic Four was my favorite Marvel series growing up in the mid-60s and 70s, with Spider-Man a close second. And after being away for a while, I decided to pick up the Fantastic Four with their recent anniversary issue, and I'm glad I did, so I can't wait what's going to be going on with this new Fantastic Four series. Hey, this is James with my first pick in the Marvels preview supplement. And this time I'm on page 10. I skip past some stuff, some Avenger stuff. And I'm looking at Fantastic Number 4, Number 1 by Ryan North and Ibon Coelho. I know I'm butchering that. Sorry. I butcher names all the time. And the cover's by Alex Ross, just FYI. I have been enjoying Dan Slott's run. I thought it was fantastic. Thus, the Fantastic Four and a fantastic run. I was disappointed to see him leave. I am happy to see that we are going to be getting a Spider-Man by Dan Slott because the only thing that he writes better than Fantastic Four is probably Spider-Man. He does a good job on both those characters, one team and one character. But this one, I, I, I go into it a little bit of trepidation. I love the Fantastic Four. I'm hoping, and I have my fingers crossed, that Ryan North is going to do a good job with the Fantastic Four because Ryan North, the thing that I know him for is Squirrel Girl. I am not a fan of Squirrel Girl. I never want to read Squirrel Girl. It's just not something I enjoy. To each their own. I know some people will probably like the character. I'm not one of them. But I am going to pick this up because I do like the Fantastic Four. If I don't like it, I'm out in an arc. If I do like it, I, I'll stick on this long term because I do like the team. On to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. My second pick in the Marvel's previews is on page 15 with Miracle Man Silver Age number 2. Written by Neil Gaiman. Art and main cover is by Mark Buckingham, which is the one I'll be getting. And a variant cover is done by Declan Shalvey. Gaiman and Buckingham's epic has returned, and you won't believe where the story goes. Miracle Man has his old friend back, but young Miracle Man has never felt more alone. Where can a hero from a simpler time call home in this brave new world? Remastered from Miracle Man... 1985 series number 24 with stunning new artwork by Mark Buckingham rated T plus and is scheduled to be in shops on November 23rd for the cover price of 4.99. I've heard a lot about Miracle Man and the various people who have done it from Mitch Anglo, the original artist to Neil Gaiman, and I think before him, Alan Moore, who also wrote stories for the series. But I've never really read any of the Miracle Man comic books. So I'm looking forward to jumping into the pool of Miracle Man continuity. 
Hey, this is James back with another pick in the Marvel Supplemental. And this one I'm pretty excited about. It's over on page 26. There's cover on 27. It is Planet Hulk World Breaker, number one of five, written by, yeah, World War Hulk, Planet Hulk writer Greg Pak. Artist is Manuel Garcia. I love Planet Hulk. I love World War Hulk. I'm sure I'm going to enjoy World Breaker. And I'm going to read you what it says about this because we're like, okay, Planet Hulk happened. Is it the same thing? Not really. It says, a thousand years from now on the planet Sakaar, a young woman with green skin searches for the legendary green scar to help save her brother from a group of apocalyptic cultists. But which Hulk will she find? And after all these years, is he truly the Sakaar son? Who will save us all? Or the world breaker who will destroy us? So this is taking place in the future. I'm imagine like the progeny of Hulk. <laughs> so I think it's going to be cool. We'll probably get a new Hulk. I don't know. I, I just like this series. I'm happy that Greg Pak's going back to visit it. And I'm definitely going to pick it up and read it and enjoy it. And it's only a five-issue miniseries. So if you don't enjoy it, you're only in for five issues. I'm definitely all in. On to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with a Marvel pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Extreme X-Men number one. Chris Claremont has returned yet again to the House of X. This time he is delving into the time period that's taking place shortly after the conclusion of volume one of Extreme X-Men. Now, volume one of Extreme X-Men was from the early 2000s. Claremont wrote all of the issues. The first half of the series was drawn by Salvador La Roca, who is the artist for this five-issue miniseries. And if you remember Extreme X-Men, the back half of it, once Salvador La Roca left the volume one, it was drawn by Igor Corday, if I remember correctly. So the makeup of this throwback Extreme X-Men team is comprised of Storm, Rogue, Gambit, Sage, Bishop, Wolverine, Kitty Pride, and Rachel Summers. That whole lineup is on full display in several of the covers for this first issue. They definitely take you back to that era of X-Men, according to solicitation text. The Extreme X-Men team will be battling that nemesis of Kitty Pride or Kate Pride and Wolverine Ogun, who just can't stay dead. But, you know, he's a demon, so what do you expect? I'm really looking forward to Claremont and LaRocca getting back together again. I think they have a lot of magic when this duo is, is working together. It's also nice to get away from Krakoa for a little while as well. And that's not to say that I don't enjoy aspects of the current status quo. However, I do believe that a little bit of variation in your X-Men lineup of titles is a good thing. And it provides fans with an opportunity to connect maybe with uh, some older creators, maybe with a throwback era. We're getting that with this volume of Extreme X-Men. Extreme X-Men 
number one of five can be found on page 28 of the Marvel Previews catalog. It costs $3.99. Please note there are several what appears to be open order variant covers for this issue. Hey, this is James back with another kind of, this is an interesting, weird pick. <laughs> it's on page 45 in the Marvel, Marvel Supplemental. It is called Blade Vampire Nation. Now, a long, long time ago in Jason Aaron's Avenger run, we had Blade taking over as basically, if I'm not mistaken, he was like a sheriff taking over where the vampires are all living, like over in Russia somewhere. And we have never revisited it since. And I'm like, what was the point of telling this whole story along with all the Russian heroes? I'm like, it just went nowhere. Well, apparently we're getting a one shot and I wouldn't call it out. I probably would skip it. And who knows? I may still skip it. But the thing that piqued my interest is the writer. We get Mark Russell as the writer and Miko Soyan as the artist. Okay, butchered his name. But it's saying it is a one shot. So it's only a one shot. Mark Russell can be a decent writer and a one shot. We shall see. It says a deep dive into Dracula's new kingdom as established in the Avengers. Starring Blade, the Sheriff of the Vampire Nation. Hey, I was right. He was the Sheriff. <laughs> and an assassination threatens to unravel the fledgling count a country and spread chaos throughout the world. But it is getting rid of the nation full of bloodsuckers really all that bad of an idea. Blade himself isn't too sure. So it sounds like a killer whodunit type mystery for the Daywalker who's in charge of all the other vampires, which is just bizarre. Blade should be killing them, not the sheriff of but whatever i may pick this up i may not but i wanted to point it out for any of you guys who are mark russell fans or are wondering what the heck happened and why did jason aaron write jason aaron write about this and never do anything with it maybe this will explain it to us on to my next pick billy hogan again my next pick in the marvel previews is on page 58 with fantastic four number 52 facsimile edition the writer is, or was, Stan Lee, and the story and cover art was done by Jack Kirby. The first appearance of the Black Panther from the wild imaginations of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby at the peak of their creative powers. On a mission in the remote African nation of Wakanda, the Fantastic Four encountered T'Challa, the warrior king, and one by one, Reed, Sue, Ben, and Johnny are bested by the mighty monarch. But when Wakanda comes under attack by Ulysses' claw and his monstrous creations, made of pure sound, the FF and the Black Panther forge an alliance for the ages, and one of the Marvel Universe's most iconic heroes shows his true metal. It's one of the all-time great Marvel comic books, boldly represented in its original form, ads and all, reprinting Fantastic Four 1961 series number 52. It's rated for all ages and is scheduled to be in shops on November 23rd for the cover price of $3.99, which is a lot more expensive than the original 12 cents, if I'm not mistaken. That was the original cover price. Now, my first Fantastic Four issue was number 38, which guest starred Daredevil, and he teamed up with the FF against Doctor Doom. And I think I had one in the mid-40s where 
the thing left the Fantastic Four and somehow got brainwashed and teamed up with, I think it was called the Frightful Four. I have in recent years gotten a, a battered copy of Fantastic Four number 38 and a few others. I don't have the one in the 40s that I mentioned, but I'm hoping to find a copy of that or else get one of the Marvel Masterworks. So I'm really looking forward to getting this facsimile edition, especially since I never read this origin story or original story that was the first appearance of the Black Panther. Billy Hogan again. My last pick in the Marvel previews is on page 70 with Damage Control number 4 of a five-issue miniseries written by Adam F. Goldberg and Hans Rodanoff with art by Nathan Stockman and cover by Patrick Zercher. It's been a tough first week for Gus at Damage Control. On Monday, he nearly caused a catastrophic scrawl attack. On Tuesday, he smushed a family who had been shrunk by Pym particles. And on Wednesday, he turned himself into a monstrous guinea pig, Kaiju. That's why Gus has been banished down to research and development to assist Eugene Strausser. But introducing Gus to the one member of the damage control team who had a brief stint as a supervillain could have dire consequences. Hans Rodanoff and Adam F. Goldberg write Gus into terrible situations and Nathan Stockman brings the bad guys to glorious life in her supervillain-packed issue, with appalling appearances by Dr. Doom, Green Goblin, Red Skull, Loki, The Wrecking Crew, MODOK, and more. Rated T+, and is scheduled to be in shops on November 9th for the cover price of $3.99. I enjoyed the Damage Control miniseries. I think there were two of them that I'm aware of that were created, partly created by original writer Dwayne McDuffie, the late, great Dwayne McDuffie. So I couldn't resist checking out this series. It sounds like it's going to be just as much fun as the original. Hey, this is James back with another pick that I really wanted to pick out, or point out. It's over on page 73 of the Marvel Supplemental. And I was never a reader of CrossGen. I know some people became real big fans. They used to be, I think they were located in Tampa. Mark Wade, a lot of, a lot of writers were over there. And, you know, they owned the titles. Marvel bought CrossGen when they went bankrupt. I remember they were offering benefits to all their writers and artists, which is something, you know, nobody really does. And, but when they went defunct, even though Marvel purchased them because of rights and things, it's like this stuff never got reprinted. This stuff gone to into the abyss well apparently not because we are getting cross-gen tales number one and i'm looking at the bottom it does not say this is going to be a one shot usually they say one shot if it's one and done so maybe this is something ongoing where they're going to reprint in this oversized you know booklet cross-gen stories writer mark wade ron mars and barbara kessel artist butch geis brandon peterson ben lie lay or lie and Greg Land. And it says, Surprising Tales from a Universe of Fantasy, Folklore, and Science Fiction, the debut issues of four of the signature titles from the 21st century's most innovative imprint, and some of the biggest names in comics offer a window into other worlds. And you get Ruse number one from 2001, 
I'm not going to read you about that. You get Mystic, number one, from the year 2000. You get Sigil, number one, from the year 2000. And I'm not going to read all that. And you get Sojourn, 2001, number one. I thought this stuff would never be reprinted. So this may be my only chance to read CrossGen. So I'm probably going to pick it up. I've never read it, so I don't know what I'm missing out on. I could skip it and just leave it to the abyss. But I'm going to see if anyone else calls it out either. Are these stories worthwhile? I have no clue. One warning on this, not really a warning, but just a thing to note, it's $8.99. That's expensive. But the reason why there's 128 pages, you're getting four comics. So it's basically like $2.50 per comic in here, $2.50 per comic, because you get four comics worth of material. I'm definitely, it's piqued my interest. It's something that, you know, people have said over and over, it'll never be reprinted. And yet Marvel, just like when Miracle Man did it again, here it is being reprinted. So hold your tongues. You don't know what can be reprinted. <laughs> On to my next pick. Hey, this is James, back with my last pick in the Marvel Supplemental. I always pick up Omnibuy, Omnibuses, whatever you want to say. I think they're Omnibuy. The one that I'm going to point out is an interesting one because I did not think it would be reprinted, but I guess Marvel picked up the license to reprint it. It is on page 87. Pick it up while you can get it because, as we know, the shame... The Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu stuff is gone from the Omnibus and never to be reprinted again until they decide they want to pick up the license. And Conan stuff is gone. So you have to pick this up while it's there. It is Planet of the Apes Adventures, the original Marvel Years Omnibus. There are two hardcovers, or two covers for it. A Gist cover, well, EM Gist, and a Gil Kane cover. Gil Kane is going back to the original art. I'll probably be getting the Gil Kane, even though the Gist looks way better, honestly. It, it, I mean, you got computer imaging versus, you know, an old pencil and ink board. But teach your own. I'm going to be paying less than the $100 that's listed. It is $100. I will be paying, I, I think I get 50% off roughly, so it'll be like 50 bucks. I don't think this is a misprint. I don't think it's a typo. It's expensive because you're only getting 224 pages. This is the smallest omnibus I have ever seen. It's collecting issues 1 through 11 of a Planet of the Apes, or Adventures on Planet of the Apes. But this stuff will never come back, so pick it up, pay for it. And once this book's printed, it is gone. You probably won't see it again. So get it while it's hot. On to my next pick. Hey, this is James, and I am in the main previews catalog. This is the November catalog for, or the September catalog for things coming out in November. Spoiler alert: John and I talk offline. <laughs> We're not recording now. I told him I wasn't getting any new number ones from Image because, uh, you know, just none of it really piqued my interest. But I kind of told him the truth, but it was also a lie a little bit because I forgot there was a one shot that I was going to get. It's not an ongoing title. And it's over on page 52 in Image. And it's not something Image-esque, not something I would have expected to see from them. And it's called Soldier Stories. One shot written by Reverend William J. Bellamy, Jalissa Conway, Brian Anthony, and Megan Farrell Burke. Art by a whole bunch of names that I don't want to say because I'm going to butcher these things. But the thing that I thought was interesting is 56 pages for six bucks. It's an anthology of war stories, but it's saying it features four compelling tales a military conflict, all written by veterans who serve. These first-person accounts of real-life warfare have been reimagined across a variety of genres, from sci-fi to horror to personal memoir, all written by veterans who served from the Vietnam era to Afghanistan. 
So, I, you know, they're like talking about what's it like to wait out for a chemical attack? How does it feel to abandon your allies? In a world of push-button warfare, has killing gotten too easy? How do you go on when the war is over, but the struggle is not? So it sounds like it could be really cool. I'm probably going to pick it up. I love war books. We'll see if I like this one. It sounds like it's way more realistic than some of the stuff we get in the past, but I'm on board. I'm going to read it. So if you're interested, check it out. On to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. My only pick from Image Comics is on page 75 with Junkyard Joe number 2, written by Jeff Johns, with art and main cover by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson, which is the one I'll be getting. Cover B is done by Dan Jurgens, Norm Ratmund, and Brad Anderson. And cover C is done by Liana Kangas, and I hope I pronounced that name correctly. And cover D is done by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson. Mad Ghost's Tales of the Unnamed continue as we go from 1972 to today. Cartoonist Muddy Davis has just retired from drawing his 50-year-old Junkyard Joe newspaper strip. The tragedies of Vietnam and visions of a strange robot soldier that saved his life still haunt him, but dreams will become his reality when Joe mysteriously shows up on Muddy's doorstep warning us of a new and impending war. Scheduled to be in shops on November 16th for the cover price of $3.99. I enjoyed Geiger and Junkyard Joe's appearance in that miniseries, so I'm looking forward to reading Junkyard Joe in his own adventures. My next pick is on page 124 of the preview's catalog from Dark Horse. It is The Ones. This is the first of four issues. It's by Brian Michael Bendis. The premise here I find interesting. Basically, all the various chosen ones of this, that, or the other have to band together to defeat The One. The actual chosen one of among all the chosen one or something like that. I mean, I'll be honest, the premise is still a little unclear, but... All those stories where you've got, oh, he is the chosen one to be, you know, the Slayer of Vampires in Buffy or to defeat the Empire in Star Wars or whatever, all of those in this universe are, are gathering together and such. So it, it looks like it's a hero among heroes sort of a thing, kind of, sort of, but not quite. I don't know. It, it looks interesting. It's Brian Michael Bendis, so I'll give it a shot. It's only four issues, so it can only be so decompressed, I imagine. I hope it winds up with a solid ending, but it definitely looks kind of interesting. We'll see if it's any good when it comes out. Once again, that's The Ones on page 124 of the Diamond Previews. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and this time I'm in the back half of the Previews catalog. Over on page 238, there's a book called Traveling to Mars, number one, from a blaze. The writer is Mark Russell. The artist is Robert Melly, or Mealy, don't know. It says, from Eisner Award winner Mark Russell, and hot new talent Robert Milley comes compelling new sci-fi series. I love sci-fi. I like Mark Russell. So Traveling to Mars tells the story of a former pet store manager, Roy Livingston, the first human to ever set foot on Mars. Roy was chosen for his unlikely mission for one simple reason. He is terminally ill and therefore has no expectations of returning. Roy is joined on his mission to Mars by Leopold and Albert, two Mars rovers equipped with artificial intelligence who look upon the dying pet store manager as a sort of god, which is kind of funny. I wouldn't think AI would look at them as a god, but whatever. Okay, against the backdrop of not only his waning days, but those of human civilization as well, Roy has ample time to think about 
where things went wrong for both of them, and what it means to be a dying god. I don't know why, but this kind of fascinates me. It seems interesting. The interior art looked good. There's an interview by Mark Russell. It sounded kind of interesting. And believe it or not, I think that's the only thing I'm getting from a Blaze this time. Other than there's a Breaker Omnibus, which is like a manhwa, which is a Korean manga. I'm going to be picking that up. But that's it from a Blaze. But uh, on to my next pick. Okay, my next pick is honestly a leap of faith. It's a, a new publisher, a writer I'm not overly crazy about at times, but I'm intrigued, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sample this. It's Ancient Enemies from Frank Miller Presents on page two fifty five of the Diamond Previews. And it's basically a war of aliens on Earth, which is what spawns superheroes or something like that. This is written by Dan Didio, so maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Cover art looks decent. I'm not even sure if it's a one-shot. It's a prestige 64 page for $7.99, so not cheap. I don't know really what to expect from Frank Miller Presents, because, well, this is the first time any of their titles are being offered, much less something by Didio versus Frank Miller. So, like I said, I'm curious about this. I'm intrigued. Maybe it's some cool stuff. Maybe it's not. Maybe we get a sense of what he can do with you know, superheroes and stuff, or just comics in general, without being able to lean on the established lore of, of DC Comics. So, could be interesting. I'm going to check out this. We'll see what happens after this, both with this universe and, and whatnot. So, once again, that's Ancient Enemies from Frank Miller Presents on page 255 of the Diamond Previews. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in this month's previews comes on page 260 from Abstract Studios. It's Parker Girls number 3. The writer, cover, and story artist is Terry Moore. At Tamby's request, Kachu uncovers a secret that could topple the empire of billionaire Zachary Lott. All Kelly has to do is follow the plan and the job is done. But the unpredictable Parker Girl has other ideas and things get... Uh, complicated. Don't miss a single issue of this action-packed new series from the creator of Strangers in Paradise. Scheduled to be in shops on November 16th for the cover price of $3.99. The last number of series that Terry Moore has done have been limited to 10 issues. Now, I don't know if that will also be the case for Parker Girls, but in any case, Terry Moore is on that short list of creators that I will get anything they do. In fact, I've got a short box almost full of his comic books, going back to issue 74, I believe it was, of Strangers in Paradise, and I've collected a few of the earlier issues. But fortunately, I also have the entire series in trade paperback, so I'm halfway done reading it. So... If you like comic books, but you are not into superheroes, I would recommend you get anything by Terry Moore. It's all still in publication. He does excellent artwork, and he's one of the best writers of character-driven stories that I've read. I would put Robert Kirkman up there also. But I would recommend you pick up Parker Girls or anything else done by Terry Moore. And thank you, John, for providing this forum so that we can all share our enthusiasm for the comic book medium 
And I want to thank everyone who sent in clips. And I look forward to listening to what everyone's going to be reading out of this month's previews. And let's remember to take care of each other out there. My next pick is another one that intrigues me that I'm not really sure entirely what to expect from it, but I'm going to go check it out anyways. It is DC Greatest Events, Stories That Shook the Multiverse Hardcover from DK Publishing. Now, DK does some good stuff, so I'm, I'm curious about it from there. And I think they're going with events lowercase, not events uppercase, because it looks like from the cover images, I mean, we get the death of Superman, that's a major event lowercase, even though it had big ramifications. We're obviously getting Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is an event with an uppercase E. It looks like we've got some Fourth World stuff, maybe some Wonder Woman stuff, and then it looks like some New Teen Titans stuff around the time they were with the Doom Patrol, which is around, I don't know, issue 18-ish or something like that in New Teen Titans. They specifically mentioned the debuts of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Yeah, those are, are huge. Even if they're not uppercase events, they were pivotal lowercase events. Flash of Two Worlds, which to me straddles that fence because it would led to most of the uppercase events. A Crisis on Infinite Earths, Death of Superman, Return of Superman, a New 52, Infinite Frontier. So I think they're going to hit kind of the newspaper headline sort of things of the DC Universe. And it's a reference book. This really potentially hits my sweet spot. We'll see how detailed they go. We'll see how good it is. But I'm curious about this, and I'm a little lukewarm on the current DC Universe, so I think delving into the DC Universe of, of years past, decades past, may be what I need right now. So, once again, that's DC Greatest Events, Stories That Shook the Multiverse Hardcover from DK Publishing on page 303 of the Diamond Previews. Hey, this is James, and I'm back with my final pick. And this time, I am back on page 329 of the Humanoid section. And there's a couple things I was going to point out, but one that I was going to record on. First up on page 329 is The Techno Priest by Alejandro Jodorowsky, part of the Jodoverse. I already have this, but this is a hardcover. It's being solicited again. Mature readers, 408 pages, 55 bucks. You get a big discount it from Eric over at Deep Discount Comics. Great material if you like Euro comics and if you like Jodorowsky, who is the writer of the Ink All. Remember, there's a TV or series coming out on the Ink All. But then over on page 332, the thing that we got from Free Comic Book Day, they were talking about new titles coming out in the Ink All, you know, Techno Priest, Meta Baron world, but by current writers. And on page 332, we have the Ink All Psychoverse. The writer on this one is Mark Russell. The artist is Yannick Paquette. So this is an all-new, brand-new book, and they have a real big yellow sticker here. The Ink Hall is soon to be a major motion picture from Academy Award-winning director Taki Watiti. Never heard of him. <laughs> I don't pay attention to anyone's names, though, so that, that's that's not uncommon that I wouldn't know who in the heck that is. The interior art looks decent. I flipped through it. It looks good to me. It is $25, 120 pages. This is a hardcover book. Mature themes, sci-fi, fantasy, space opera, space saga. Those are the tags on it. But it says, with Alejandro Jodorowsky and Mobius, the ink hall set to be a major motion picture from acclaimed director Taiki Watiti. Now is the time to explore the brand new shocking and explosive prequel to the legendary and best-selling ink hall saga. Prepare to enter the Psychoverse. A realm made of pure potential and possibility known as the Psychoverse has declared war on all material reality. 
and the only ones who can save it are the deadly Metabaron and the swashbuckling Kill, Wolfhead, and the bumbling detective John DeFool. So if you are interested in it, this is something you may want to read, pick up. You can jump in there. There's a techno priest in there. And if you're going this whole in-call thing, I don't know what's going on with the in-call. I, I, I don't know what it is. John and I may be doing a back issue spotlight in the future. Not, not like anytime soon, but in the future future on it. The, on page 337, just so you know, there is a deluxe in-call. This is huge. One of those big oversized, like king size, Kirby, whatever they call those crazy books. That, you know, they're like a coffee table book. And it's in all black. It's in a slip cover. It's 320 pages, but it's uh, 150 bucks. So I'm probably going to pass on that one. I already have owned the ink all in a few different versions. I don't think I need the $150 version. But definitely uh, check out the Psychoverse. See if it's something you like. I enjoy the original Jodorowsky stuff. So you'll have to see if you, this works for you. I'm going to read it and see if it works for me. And I just want to thank everyone for all their picks. I appreciate all of you guys who do send in clips every month because it really helps out John and gives con- content for everyone who listens to the podcast it's a way for you guys to participate so i think that's cool i want to shout out to everyone thank you for being in the slack channel if you are if you're not get in on the slack channel we're getting ready to set up our next book club and that's going to be fun we're getting soon so we get together you know once every two weeks and we meet on zoom and we go over a book of the of the month type thing so a lot of fun there and a big shout out to john thank you for hosting this thanks for all the expenses you have and hosting the website doing all the back-end editing of all of our clips to make us not sound like a bunch of morons from time to time <laughs> with the ums and ahs. I, I like how you edit some of that stuff out when you do have time. But I really do appreciate all your hard work. And once again, thanks to everyone. Looking forward to your picks. Until next month preview spotlight, talk to you guys later. Bye. I hope everybody found something of interest in the pre-order catalogs this month. I want to thank Billy, Mo, and James for sending clips in, and that's a much shorter list than we often have. Normally, it's about twice as long. And this is a shorter episode than usual as a result. Now, a couple of the regulars, like Brawlinator, Nicholas, Patrick, and a couple others, weren't able to send in clips this month. That's fine. I totally understand that. That happens, and I appreciate everyone who sends in clips when they can. But I want to remind everybody, the preview spotlight is open to everybody. I'd love to get some more voices, some more opinions in these episodes, some more picks in these episodes as a result. And personally, I'm finding it a little harder these days to find stuff I'm really excited about, and maybe you guys could help me find those things by sending in clips. You don't have to do it each and every month. You don't have to send in a dozen clips or something, even if you just send in one every couple of months or whatever. If we've got enough people doing that, we've got longer, better episodes with more things being highlighted or more angles on particular things being highlighted. Because sometimes, even when we get two or three clips on a particular thing, it's maybe that third clip or whatever that's, oh, they mentioned something I didn't realize about this property. That's going to make me go get it. Or makes me realize that's actually really not for me. I should save my money, my time, my interest on something that is for me. So it's a win either way. And again, more people make these better episodes. Now, the deadline for the preview spotlight is the second Saturday of the month, regardless of when these catalogs ship, because that shifts around a little bit. We've got links to where you can find the information online in case you either haven't gotten your catalog or just don't get the catalogs. You can always check the main page of the comic book page website for the latest information on the deadline and to sign up for email reminders in case you need those. If you have any questions on how to participate in the preview spotlight, ask me. You can email me at jkm at comicbookpage.com 
you can go to the forum you can go to the slack channel there's a link to my email on the comic book page website it's easy to get in touch with me and i'd love to have more people involved in this now i say that even though that means it's more work for me when i get more clips from more people and stuff like that but man the payoff is worth it if we're all finding more stuff that we're enjoying so once again i hope everyone found something of interest in the catalogs this month hopefully this episode helped out and with that we'll call it an episode the show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode thanks for listening